I am the hot mess friend with you, where you're like, you walk in looking like a fucking supermodel. I'm having like a meltdown and you walk in and you're like, what? <laughs> I'm so cute. Dude, I haven't even pooped properly in a few days. Like. <laughs> I think that is how you need to open this one up. I'm Stephanie Dinsmore. And I'm Jody Lockie Doosling. We're two therapists with 33 years of collective experience in the mental health field. Tune in as we get comfortable to talk about things like self-improvement, growth, relationships, traumatic experiences, and more. Together, we'll discuss neuroscience, attachment, and trauma, and look at holistic and alternative approaches beyond the counseling space. Let's just talk about it. Where did that just get pulled from? I have no idea. (laughs) Amen. Welcome back, ball jugglers, to episode two of our soul work. So last time we talked all about hustle culture and what's that's doing to ourselves and our nervous system. And today we're really going to dive into how do we move away from hustle culture and multitasking into the idea of surrendering. I think the first thing to look at, Steph, is the question, who am I? Mm, I love that question. I love that exercise, actually. We use it in therapy so much. And I love using it with clients and in group work because when we ask people, who am I? Often what they do is they write it down and they circle it and they're like, "Uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm an employee, I'm a, I'm yeah. a wife. I'm, I'm a, a mom. A mom. And we're like, yeah, but who are who are you? And people kind of look at you stunned like, oh, those are things, those are jobs that I have or those, those are, are things, things that do. I do. Yeah. That's not who I am. And what we find is people are kind of startled that maybe I don't really know who I am. And I didn't. Like I, I would have said I am a student. I'm an academic. I am a mother. I am a wife. I love sports. Like I would have said all of those things. And I really didn't know the answer to that question, who am I? And it really takes all of the things that we talk about in episode one of this to to really process who am I? What do I need? What do I want? What does that authentic self look like? And I think for this episode, what I'd really encourage you to do is really just to slow down and kind of listen to what does surrendering mean? What can it look like for me? And how can I learn who I am? So you can answer that question maybe by the end of this podcast or maybe by the end of this mini series. Who am I? I love the idea of surrendering stuff. So when I think of the idea of resistance, so the key to all suffering is resistance. And we don't realize how much we are constantly trying to resist in every day and things by trying to control things, trying to plan things. Those are all elements of resistance. But the reality of it is, is how much do we have control over anyway? Almost nothing. Right. (laughs) Pretty much absolutely nothing. (laughs) And this isn't to say don't goal plan or, you know, don't have things that you're, you're kind of wishing for and wanting, but it is saying sometimes we have to surrender to the process, to the thing, to the, to the experience, to whatever it is that's going to happen because we don't have control anyway. We spend a lot of our time worrying about the past and worrying about the future when in fact we have no control over any of that. But what we do have control over is right now. And I think what's so interesting in the last few years and what I've learned in my 30s um, and seeing myself and my friendships and other people, you know, around my age from my class, what I've noticed is a lot of people who are struggling are people that have put up those resistance or those barriers and they're really unhappy. And when I kind of ask them, you know, well, why, why are you feeling that way? And they're like, well, I'm not married yet. I haven't had children. 
And it's like, well, you don't have to do all of those things. And that sounds like a resistance or a barrier. And what could your life look like if you were to surrender what you do have and what you are? Mm-hmm. And I think it would just be so interesting to see, would people feel a lot more joy if they just surrendered to what their life actually looks like and is? Yeah, we're always looking for the next thing, right? And we always think, well, if I just get to this phase or stage, I will be happy or I will be content. And then we get there and we forget the process that even took us there. We forget that we're even there. We just go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we're always chasing and seeking. And really the idea of, you know, how do we just stay in a, in a place of acceptance and surrendering to the moment, to the present time, you know, to who we are. And I think this links so much into the idea of both self-acceptance and self-compassion. So Jody, what might self-acceptance look like for somebody with some of the examples that I talked about? Yeah, so I think of really self-acceptance is embracing all parts of ourself, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And honestly, I don't even really like even referring to it as like good or bad, but rather just like, you know, helpful versus unhelpful or um, light versus darker parts of us. So part of this is looking at um, sitting with our shadows, sitting with the things that that we resist, sitting with those pieces of us that we've made so many defenses as a way to survive, as a way to exist. Things like sarcasm, laughing, uh, avoiding, distracting, gaslighting. All of these are defenses as a way to not have to, to sit with self, to sit with truth, to sit with present. And when we look at acceptance, it's really just embracing all parts of ourself. And so I, I find that the more that we can understand the concept concept of duality, which is that we all carry light and dark, all Mm -hmm. of us, every person, we then have compassion, we then have grace, we then have understanding for each other. And if we stop trying to hide all of that all the time, perhaps we would just see that we are just who we are. And that links so much back to our very first mini series on authentic self and the idea of unmasking. So when we're working towards a self-acceptance, both those light and those dark parts of this is who I am, that is what I think is so powerful. And then how do we incorporate components of self-compassion in that? Yes. And self-compassion is saying, you know, I didn't always make the best decisions. Sometimes I was toxic in my life. Sometimes I did harm. Sometimes I did good. But the reality of it is, is that I did the best I could at the time, or I did the best with what I had. And it's okay to forgive myself. It's okay to accept myself. And, you know, acceptance has a tone on it as that it's okay that it's happened. Right. And Or sorry, forgiveness does. Mm-hmm. Acceptance really means that I no longer want to carry it around with me, that I no longer want to carry these this brick of weights around with me about all of the things that maybe, you know, didn't go the right way or the plan didn't go the way I had, had hoped that it would. But making room for what is happening and what is and not focusing so much on what hasn't or what should have or what could have. We spend a lot of time in that dark place. Oh, definitely. And the other thing that I like to point out, whether it's acceptance in general as a conversation or self-acceptance, is when we're choosing to accept something, it doesn't necessarily mean we like what we're accepting. But what we're allowing our mind, our body, our spirit and emotions to do is to let go of shame, of of guilt, of pain. And so through that self-acceptance and linked with self-compassion, we're actually surrendering. We're letting go. Absolutely. I One of my favorite things, and I think I'm going to get a tattoo of it soon, is let it be. 
I'm in. So, let's go. Right. I used to say let it go all the time. And then I was like, you know what? There is a little bit of a tone to that. And so I was like, let it be. The Beatles had it right. And truthfully, it was it's really just let it allow, let it to be, let it to be the way it is, not trying to change it, accept it, control it, anything. Just let it be. Mm-hmm. I love that. That actually reminds me. I was watching the, the Drew Barrymore show and she got tattooed on her arm. I am human, period. Aww. And I was like, wow, that's actually really powerful because it it's true. We are human. And what does that mean? Right. That we're allowed to be imperfect, that we are actually supposed to be imperfect. We're actually, you know, pr- primed to be imperfect. But yet so many of us question ourselves of when we're not perfect. But it's when we're imperfect that that is where our unique, genuine, totally. authentic self comes out. And I think that's where we find love for other people. We find connection. We find all of those really great things because like we're like, wow, that person is so amazing. I would never have thought to do that. And that person is really holding on to say, ooh, I was trying to hide that part of myself. Yeah. And I think that when you find your people, when you find your chosen family, the people that truly accept you and care about all of those parts of you, you can really see what we mean by that, that you're able to flourish in environments that are safe for you and that that you feel like you're actually understood in. And so part of that is both turning inwards, but also turning outwards in terms of connection with people that you feel are perhaps like-minded, you know, have similar paths or, you know, have grace and compassion. Because when you start to be around people that can compassionately talk to you and have grace for things and recognize we're humans and we make mistakes, beautiful things happen. I know. And I was, as I was, you're talking about this, I was actually wondering, when did you start to turn inwards? When did you have that realization that it's okay to surrender? It's okay to look within myself to start doing that kind of deep soul work. Listen, I held on tight as possible, as as tight as I possibly could, (laughs) not even knowing it, right? But that I was the key of resistance, that it was, I couldn't even face, you know, the the shame or the pieces that I had carried around with me um, from things that I didn't even choose, Mm -hmm. from pieces that I didn't choose to happen to me. And that shame entered its way in every part of my life, whether I knew it or not. That attachment wound entered in at work. It entered in at home. It entered in in every area that I could think of. And so really in the last year, I have actually said, I have to sit with this. I have to explore this. I have to understand this. And why am I holding this? It's not my shame to hold. It's not my stuff to carry. And yet why am I so attached to it? Which is the essence of all trauma, right? Is that we actually try to attach to it more or that we own it or that we we think it's us or, or something we've done. And so surrendering means saying, you know, I'm not okay that it happened. It doesn't make it okay, but I'm I, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to be different. I'm ready to change my path or to accept things. And part of my uh, looking inward was looking at neutrality. The idea of things are just the, the way they are, that it's not necessarily good nor bad, but just, you know, unfortunately in this world, bad things happen. And I had to learn how to surf those waves because I tried to resist surfing them and the tide took me under, right? Right. And so really like I had to accept that things do happen that are out of my control and I can, I have a choice. I can resist it and hold up defenses and live in pain and grief and shame and, you know, all of these pieces that will impact everybody around me and really will crush my soul. Or I can surrender, accept, have compassion, forgive myself, forgive other people, you know, if that feels okay with me and move on and be able to detach from that. Does the stuff still come through? Absolutely. But much less than it did before. And as you're talking about like kind of the idea of turning inwards, that acceptance work through neutrality, I'm also wondering 
because I'm thinking it and I wonder if our listeners are, well, what about those times and what about those relationships that have those impacts and are linked to our trauma and our pain and our suffering and their, you know, parent relationships, for example, is it okay? Are we saying hold on to that and just be neutral about it? Or is there a place where we can say you can turn inwards, you can do that work and it's okay to maybe create boundaries in relationship. Yeah, boundaries are the most important thing we can possibly learn personally and professionally. And so many of us, especially with trauma histories, actually are really not great with boundaries mm-hmm. um, because one way that we helped, uh, you know, survive in our lives was to people please or overwork or to help pleasing. or whatever that was, right? Like to be quiet, to not cause chaos, to not be loud, not be a strong woman, whatever that looks like for you, right? We learned to sit down, shut up and, and essentially just, you know, put up with everything. And that's not okay either, but we have to find balance. Yeah. This is where I think working with a professional around this is so important because there's a lot of really stuck points. There's a lot of things stuck in our psyche and our body. There's a lot of somatic work that needs to be done around this attachment and inner child work, you know, around what patterns do we have in my family unit, in my attachment units? What attachment style am I? I think me identifying that was one of the most important things in my life because it influences every relationship that you have. And if you don't understand that, then how do you accept? How do you detach? How do you put up boundaries? So being um, true to yourself, being real to yourself and understanding what your experiences are, you know, while talking to a professional is a really important thing um, as a way to actually be able to accept the things that have happened and, and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another important piece is learning about kind of what inner work suits you. And I think it's so important to discuss this because inner work can look so different for because everyone's unique but also in the therapy world so what are examples of inner child work that we do in terms of modalities and what are some things people would want to look for when they're really focused on this idea of surrendering yeah, so inner child work are things like attachment and attunement. So understanding what were those primary caregiver relationships like for us in those formative years. And actually, there's a lot of literature now that it's even in utero. So we're not even talking about times that we even remember or recall or even that our parents might even recall. Um, so looking at those sorts of pieces, and this isn't to place blame or accountability. I, I, you know, I, I mean, accountability is so important, but it's not necessarily for that cause. It really is to look at, like, who am I? Like, how am I? How am I compromised? Like, how are these things? How do these make me up? Like, if I am an anxious attachment, if I have an anxious attachment, that impacts every relationship I have. So how might that look? I'm more clingy. I'm more needy. I'm worried if someone's not home on time. I'm thinking the worst case scenario has happened. You know, so if I'm struggling with things like that, I want to look at inner child and attachment and attunement work through somatic, you know, sensory processing, through attachment work, through understanding um, different levels of ourself. So really, who am I? And accepting those pieces of ourself that perhaps we've never been able to look at those parts of ourself before. And if I'm looking at things like, um, you know, we always want to look at it in a holistic route. So uh, somatic means moving the body. So EMDR, um, you know, looking at different sensory processing. Cognitive is really looking at like those patterns of, of things, those things we tell ourselves, those internal scripts and dialogues. Uh, psycholo- other psychological work could include 
all sorts of different things. So looking at, um, you know, the, kind of what we talked about earlier, neutrality, duality, resistance, self-acceptance, those sorts of pieces. Uh, and then as well, soul work, which is what we're focusing on today. So how do we honor our souls? How do we honor the things that we want? So as we individuate as humans, it may not be the same things we wanted when we were younger right. or what we were primed to want or what systems told us to want. And it's okay to change that and shift that. And I think one of the most beautiful parts for myself and what I've learned recently in my work with internal family systems is that we all have this unique family system with it inside of ourselves and that there's all these different parts of ourselves. Yeah. And so I think it's learning how we interact with those parts through our self energy and through, you know, calming and surrendering and giving self compassion and self love and allowing those parts to be heard and to be felt. And so we acknowledge that they're there. And when we do that, we're actually calming those parts um, or we're not engaging in things like, you know, drinking or smoking marijuana or any type of addiction that we might think of because then we're able to really sit in our self energy. We're heard, we're listened to. Um, when we do that turning inwards work, it is so powerful for what happens then, not only within inside of ourselves, but outside of ourselves. Yeah, and you're right. The inner child work is a very uh, complex process. It can bring up a lot of emotion. So again, it's important to do it with a professional. Similarly, Steph, what you're talking about is nourishing the soul of the inner child. So actually revisiting that inner child, recognizing what that experience must have been like for them, understanding them, validating them, validating their experience. And then that's where detachment work comes in. That's where reparenting work comes in. So being able to talk to your subconscious, being able to talk to your inner child and, and say, you know, I'm sorry these things happened to you. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I hear you. I see you because the resistance comes when we're not paying attention to that, what that subconscious is trying to tell us. Well, because it's screaming at us it and we're screams. trying to quiet it. We're trying to avoid right. it because it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. And but how much does avoidance work for us? It doesn't. We right? know it doesn't. Yeah. It comes back like a tsunami the more we try to avoid it. Yeah. We know avoidance is also linked into problems and problems coming out when we try to avoid. So I think this all links back to that soul. When we surrender, we're actually healing the soul. We're listening to our soul. We're doing that deep rooted work. And this is going to really link beautifully to our next episode where Jody and I share um, about our own daily protocols. And so you're going to learn a little bit about what we have learned over the last 18 plus years uh, and what we've developed to be our daily protocols and just some simple ideas of things you can do that are really going to help heal and nourish your soul. 